Welcome to the Axis Effect podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. This is Sarah Mill with the Axis Entertainment and the Axis Effect. Super excited to be here with Tracy Crossley, who is a behaviorist expert, author, podcast host, my partner in crime, and oh my God, a good friend. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Sarah. I'm happy. If I'm going to screw up our interviews, it's going to be with somebody that I know, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> so glad you're on the show today. It's so funny because we've been chatting about this for a while, and I feel like, like I just said, all our stupid conversations should all be recorded on a podcast. <laughs> I agree. hundred percent. Well, I think it's important because I think when you talk about like leadership and you're talking about topics, especially with people, you know, and that you work with, like, you're always talking about stuff that's like, Oh God, that was good. Or like, you know, I always feel like when you, you should always leave somebody better, feeling better and happy when you leave them, when you walk up to them. And I feel like every time I chat with you, we're always chatting about stupid stuff, but then we're always zooming back into what makes a good leader person, what motivates, inspires you to be better, which is where all of our conversations always seem to full circle come back to. I agree. Yes, they do. And we have no agenda for the podcast today, except let's talk about what we need to talk about. And this is awesome because we always joke around that we are going to start doing our own podcast together to just riff on whatever we can. But like, I love that everything going on right now compared to like, you know, up until like a year ago, like six months ago, maybe mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. all been about leadership. It's not about, you know, all these other things. It's all about revenues and data and technology, but we really lose focus on leading a team, like yeah. leading your life. And I feel like, you know, we've been talking about creating a women's network leadership in LA. And I, this is what I love about you is because everything you've been doing always moves you closer to supporting women leaders. Let's let's talk about for a second. I want to talk to you because you are an author. I want to talk about your books, why you're writing them and are you, you know, your past experiences and why, you know, you say behavioral expert, like I don't want to talk about how your past and how we got to this conversation right now on the podcast. Sure. First of all, I wrote a book called Overcoming Insecure Attachment. The original title of it was, uh, <laughs> can I cuss or no? You that... guys, we have no filter. We okay. are super okay. unfiltered. Okay. So the original title was Deal With It, We're All Fucked Up, Eight Ways to Happiness, <laughs> No Matter What the Fuck is Going On. And I got a, an agent and she loved that. And she went around selling it. And then the publisher decided, oh, no. That's never going to sell on Amazon. You can't do that. And I wish they would have stuck with it, but that's a story for a yeah. different day. So it ended up being overcoming. Wait, was that because the title of the book? They said because the F word was on its way out, which is not true. So- and that Amazon would censor the title. But uh, let me just say this. The title that it is, Overcoming Insecure Attachment, they will not let us do any kind of advertising on Amazon. And it's like, well... If they would have gone with the original title, I'm sure I probably could have done advertising. But they said that this promises something and that you can't do that in a book title. And I'm like, I didn't write the book title. My publisher wrote the book title. But the thing is, who gives a shit if we're kind of It's kind of like that little, I always see it. It's like, you're in a bad situation. What's leadership? Figure out how to unfuck what you fucked up. Let's just be honest. It is what it is. It's self-explanatory. I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny that Amazon did that. But so 
that is that that's the first book, right? I wrote that book back in 2021. It's based on, you know, a business I've had since 2008. I was in corporate and got laid off and I was reading a book. It mentioned this program. I'm like, oh, okay, I need to check this out. And I was in a dysfunctional relationship because that's what I chose for, I don't know, most of my life. And went to this woman, ended up meeting her business partner. And she was the author of this book called Calling in the One. And so I met her, met her business partner. She's like, oh, why don't you work with us and do sales and marketing? I'm like, okay. So I started doing sales and marketing for them. And then they approached me to get coach training. And I'm like, coach training? What am I going to do with that? How am I going to make any money being a coach? I don't want to do that. Anyways, they convinced me because it was for free. And it turned out that I had like a natural ability to do this. I started the business. I still had dysfunctional relationships. I could not figure out what my stuff was. And I came across the theory, attachment theory, learned a lot about myself, how it plays out, not just personally, but it plays out professionally for all the people pleasers and perfectionists that are listening. Yeah, that comes from insecure attachment. Basically, anything you're attached to outside of you that gives you a sense of needing to control it or feeling insecure about it, it's called insecure attachment. I mean, just like you look at it that way, that's controlling your behavior. You want that really bad, that's controlling your behavior. And really, we don't have to live like that. You can actually be more unlimited and happier. And my thing was, I wanted emotional well-being. So I developed a method in how to do that. I've been teaching it. You know, I don't know how many years ago I developed it. Probably 10 years ago in this business, I developed it. And I've taught other people. I have you know people that work for me and they help people. And we help people either individually or in business. But the whole thing is now I've written another book called The Secure Female Leader. I have no clue if the publisher will change this one, but I'm just like, it's all about how women will stab themselves in the eyes without even realizing they're the ones that are holding the knife, stabbing themselves. The, the Secure Women's Leaders. Is that the new book you're working on right the now? Secure Female Leader. Yeah. About how, how to thrive and survive. I love how to thrive and survive in a man's world. That's a good book title, you know, but, but then I feel like there's such a great area. So you're talking about, Women leadership. And then that is what we've been talking about, why we want to do this women's networking leadership, because I'm just going to say it. I don't really care. It's my podcast. Right. I get fired, but somebody <laughs> probably will. And I, this is my opinion, just my opinion. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong, but I know you get me on this is I don't feel women don't succeed because of this me too bullshit. Is this bullshit, bullshit, bullshit? Blaming other people for your downfalls. Own right. your own, I always say own your own leadership, which is kind of my tag on all of my companies and what we do. But I feel like the reason why women don't get along, especially in corporate situations, is not men fighting up the ladder. It's other women who put them down. And this is such a shit thing to say. The catty, the vindictive, the insecurities. To me, Women fail because of the women, not because they're in a male dominant industry. I feel like women are better at gaslighting other women out of insecurities than men are. I mean, if it's a, I, because I'm in a male dominated industry in PR or sports tech entertainment, I am not intimidated. I don't give a shit who you are and what you have. I will walk and I'll own the room. I don't care. It's just like, but you know, you don't take daggers to the back into your heart by men. It's just get it done. Move on. Cut the bullshit with women. Oh my God, I'm not there to be your friend. I am there to cut a deal, make money, make us all successful, win-win. Oh, but no, you're a bitch. You're not nice. Yep. You're aggressive. No, really, seriously, I'm all about the business. 
follow the green, not the dream. And women, it, it's always that speed bump with boobs. I always call it the speed bump with boobs. It's always, a speed bump. <laughs> it's always some speed bump with boobs. I love that. Doesn't well, understand business. I, okay, so Wait, am I going to be? Am I going? We, oh, you and I going to get hate mail for? We'll probably get hate mail for this. I say, well, I don't, I don't know if we will, but, but I'm saying this. Okay, your problems all have to do with you, and I will tell you why. To give you a little heads up. So think back generations ago, right? We had to basically have a dowry or nobody's going to want you. We were property. So there has been no self-awareness from that time in history to now. My mom doesn't have any self-worth. Her mom before her, no self-worth. Women don't really know what their worth is when they're born, most women. And the problem is they go out into the world and they have a scarcity principle. This pie here is my pie. If you want a piece of my pie being another female, I'm threatened by that and I can't share it with you. I can only help you if you're not at the same level as me and you're not a threat to my pie. If you're a threat to my pie, then I don't know what, you know, I am going to be in trouble. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my business. I'm going to, and that's where I think women go. And that's why it's not the Me Too movement. It's not any of this shit. It's all about how you perceive yourself and your worth. Like you think you're so valuable based on an accomplishment, but you're not valuing who you actually are and what you can do when you're afraid of somebody taking something from you. I think like, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to like, like rebuttal on this one. I agree with you, but I don't think it's only women. I've come up against men. I've come up against men who particular client situation it, the whole thing was toxic and a shit show from the beginning. I just like just gonna stand back, grab popcorn, and watch the whole sh- shit show. Watch it burn down. It's such a mess. And it was a guy, a man who thinks you know. I mean, everybody's like, "Oh, I'm an AI expert. I'm a music expert. I'm a Bitcoin expert. I'm an NFT expert. I'm a Web three expert." Every three letter word. Are you kidding? If I even see another three letter word that is a, if you have more than a. One, if you have multiple three letter words you're experts in, I'm just like, you need to run and hide because you're an expert at absolutely fucking nothing. I have my three letters of CEO, and they're the only three letters I'm an expert at. Not all this other NFT, Web3, Bitcoin, now, you know, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. He hates me and he's, he won't. And he literally told the client to fire me and my agency. Wow. Because he won't work with us, never talked to me, doesn't know me. Nobody understands what. The why is he? Gonna, I was going to say, why is he threatened by you? He's a scammy piece of, you know what, who lied, bullshitted, ripping off the client, doesn't know what he's doing. I get on a five minute call with the client, asked him three questions. It's clear that I know what I'm talking about. I know the tech, I know the industry, I got leadership, and he automatically shut down because I know more than him. And it's not about my influence over the client, about that I know more than him. He was so freaked out because he knew he was not going to scam, bullshit, lie, manipulate, and embezzle money because I'm smarter than him. So he just became the biggest asshole to thought if he would get me away, he could take over the company, do what he wanted to do. And I'm like, you're going to be an asshole. And you're going to play this game, but you're not going to win whether you know me or not, because I'm just better at it. Right. And I I literally, we just nailed, put nails in this coffin a little while ago. It just took us time to get there. It's just like, he's done. Clients like, okay, you have full authority to da-da-da-da. A lot of bumps, a lot of bumps, monster speed bumps of stress in the past few weeks. 
and it was a guy and it cracks me up because there's a lot of people. I was talking to a really good friend of mine, actually, Marjorie DeHaye, also an attorney and my co-host on the show now and then. And we're laughing because there's a lot of people we don't like, we don't respect. We can't stand, but we got to sit across the table in a boardroom and negotiate and work with them. And we'll still negotiate and work with them. This is what's best for everybody or a company. And this is who we are professionally. We'll be polite. We'll be respectful. I don't right. want to be your friend. I just got to do what I'm very good at doing. And I don't like you, but I won't ever sit there and take you off an email and not or put you down in front of a client's attorney to say, I won't do anything with you if you have them on the team. So it's like, why would you not do your job because of a team member that you've never met that was not in charge of a project because they're smarter and better than you? And technically, like like you just cut your own foot off or what knows despite your I, I mean, I think that there's a lot. I mean, I I bring up females just because with men, they have more of a system. Okay. So men have just as many insecurities as women. There's no freaking doubt about that. It's just the point of, in my perspective, I have just focused there because I feel like women undermine themselves in more ways than men do. And I'm talking about me undermining me, not someone else undermining. Well, no, no, I agree with you. Yeah. I just, I feel like when yeah. we start talking about this, we got to understand that this is not just, we're not picking on, it's not just females that are being crazy. Men are like that too. We've all yeah. seen in power positions, but I do feel yeah. it is hard. I mean, everybody's insecurities. And I feel like I always joke around, God, you know, it's so easy for guys. They're on a baseball hat, look scruffy, and they just look power and they look hot. We have to like, oh, I look like crap, hat head, or baseball <laughs> hat, it's a blowout. And I just, I feel like women do have that societal pressure walking into a boardroom. And I think I'm probably the worst person on this subject because I, oh, and this is what, well, because I always feel, I always feel like, okay, go get a blowout, do the makeup, mm -hmm. something powerful, something that's respectful, but still look hot because get in the room however you can, because you're good looking, get a blowout, get a better pusher, but look together because once you get their attention, you got their attention and that five seconds of thing. Okay. You know, yeah. Physical looking mm -hmm. chick walk in the room, open your mouth and you can hold your own. You command respect. You're smart. You, you got where you need to be. But I feel like with women and I just, I'm such an asshole. So I know you're just going to rip me apart and you're laugh because I love you. It's like, if you're going to walk into a meeting, don't walk you into insecurities. Put, take your time to look presentable. Take your time to make sure you feel good. When you feel good, when you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you look good. And then your confidence level rises. So if you look and feel good, and whether it's a blowout or a simple thing of lip gloss or makeup or your nails done, those little small, it's the little things that make the biggest difference and impact. And as little and as stupid as they are, if it makes you feel better walking into a room, Take the time to make yourself feel better if that gives you the confidence you need because you know you're smart, you know you're intuitive, you know you're forward thinking, you know you can hold your own. So don't mm -hmm. get your looks or a chip nail or something. And we, the smallest things like that, I think, erode our security as women. And it shouldn't because it's stupid. But I think when it comes to business, we all walk in and say, oh my God, bad hair day, I have mascara smudge or you just feel self-confidence because 
you know, and I just feel like that shouldn't be the reason, but I do feel that's where our self-sabotaging, our worth comes in. It's not about looks. It's about how you feel, do what you need to make you feel good for you, which is a whole can of worms on Botox and plastic surgery. But I do feel we are all our own self-critics and it's very hard when we want to look good and feel good to have the confidence to walk into a room. Yeah. That was a lot to unpack. Well, and I mean, I agree with you in terms of that, but that's like the work that I do with people is to get rid of that inner critic because what you want to do also on top of what you're saying, Sarah, when you walk in a a meeting, you want to, first of all, not be attached to a result. A lot of times we're attached to a result. I've got to do this. You put all this pressure on yourself. That's what's causing anxiety. It's causing you to have an outer body experience, right? Like you feel like you're not even in your own body. Your head is somewhere else. And that's a problem. If you detach from the results and you say, okay, I'm going to try and be present, like paying attention to what I'm actually doing in the moment right now, today, here, you start to feel actually calmer. And then when you're, let's say if you give a presentation or you're just listening, you stop analyzing, oh shit, what if I say this? Oh God, I better not say that. Oh no, I just said something and I sound stupid. You get out of all of that and you really just stay with, I'm going to do the best job that I can, whatever that means. And I'm not going to sit here and have to have a certain result because you actually end up with better results when you do that because you're not pressured and you're not pushing and people don't feel that kind of like ickiness that comes across a lot of times when people are very stuck on, I need this result from the crowd. I need this to happen because oftentimes people are super resistant to that. That's like where you're like, why am I not liking this person or why why am I thinking what this person's saying is bullshit? Or I need to ask some questions or no way in hell, forget it, we're not doing this. And that's that's what ends up happening is you get all of that pushback. And when you're really just in that moment and going, however this goes, it goes, you own the room. I so love that you said this, Tracy, because I feel like so many, so many conversations just get derailed because I think we focus on what we want out of this conversation. If there's a problem, I just dealt with this with somebody recently, huge issue, big corporation, like how the call go. It just got so derailed halfway through. I'm like, you lost control of the conversation. But I think it's because we're so focused on an end result. And I do feel like we need to stay present and in the moment. This is why I love some of our podcasts because we end up in a certain trajectory and we end up going a whole different direction and everywhere, but where we started, but it was so authentic and natural. We all walked away. Oh my God, that was such a good conversation, but I feel like it's also, it's, it's a control thing. So, so I'm a control freak, obviously. So sometimes I'm in meetings. I know what my outcome needs to be. I need to know how to get to that outcome. I don't need to bullshit. I don't need to be your friend. I need to get to what I need to get to as close as I can to that outcome. And I do, I, I'm guilty of that all the time, but I do agree that stay grounded, stay present, stay where your feet are. Just like Scott O'Neill always wrote this book, uh, stay where your feet are. And so I think Scott's all about, O'Neill's all about being grounded, being present. And it's funny because I was at dinner a few weeks ago with one of my close friends and people and like Marjorie's like, takes my phone, turns it over like you're spinning, stay focused, stay present. And it's weird that she would say that to me because it's like, wait, wait, I've never heard that coming from you. But when she said that to me, just stay in the present, I'm like, holy shit, I am spinning and stressing and I'm on sixes and sevens. So when Marjorie's like, Sarah, stay in the moment, 
And it wasn't a business meeting even like, like, oh God, she's right. Sometimes we need that person to like kick our butt, to be like stay focused, stay in the moment. And cause yeah. I'm all about staying in the present, but we have so much going on in our heads. Sometimes it's so hard to just shut it off. But and you have to get out of that. Yeah. Because being in your head complicates everything. Yeah. There is have to be analyzed. I analyze everything to death. Right. Not before, but after. Right. And that doesn't really help you because if you think about it, if I have a meeting and I'm not sure how it went, I'm like, I'm going to go on a walk and I'm just going to focus on, again, being in the moment. I will get thoughts that come through and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that. I don't have to sit and think, think, think or worry or do any of that stuff. And that's only because I've been doing this work a long time. I have a lot of emotional space. And I always feel like, hey, if this doesn't turn out, something else is going to turn up, which I never used to. I always felt like, oh, my God, if this doesn't happen, you know, the world is going to cave in because I was always in my head and I don't live in my head like I used to. Thank you. Because I was no seriously like, oh, do you sleep? Do you do anything? Like I had a boyfriend at one point, you know, and we were laying there going to sleep one night and I'm like talking. He goes, does your head ever stop? Like, you did it ever quit? quiet and okay. years ago and it was like no no it, it no it's always talking it's always that, that's that's me right now like like the guy i'm dating right now like he's like oh my god none of our conversations are ever just five minutes with you and then like so and it's so funny because like i'm constantly on constantly on so we were chatting last night about like just earphones earpods mm-hmm. and like you know the gym I'm like well wait wait i mean wait, 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 what do you do at the gym because i just into whatever they're playing in the overhead i know to work out i don't have earphones on i don't have earpods on like when i'm at the gym or if i'm running i need my like if i'm out with my trainer i need my earbuds in and i have my music so freaking loud you could probably hear it halfway to texas because the only way to calm my mind and clear my head is to put on those earphones whether i'm on a hike whether i'm on the treadmill that for me is the only way to stop what is going on in my head otherwise i just keep going and going and going i am a type a i'm a control freak as a ceo but i do understand the only way for me to stop is and that's the sleepless nights. Oh, 2 a.m. Oh, God, I remember to do that. Write it down. Oh, God, it's 3 a.m. I got to turn my phone back on. I've got to do this, this, and this. There's sometimes there's just no way to shut it off. I just accept that that's just my <laughs> DNA, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, man. I used to I used to do that. I don't anymore. And that's just because I was a type AAA. I used to call myself that because people would say, oh, Tracy, this get done. Yeah, it got done yesterday. And they would be like, well, how do you do that? Like, I was always just like, so on top of everything. But that's leadership because they, oh, they always say you always, the person, if you really want to get something done, you ask the person who is the busiest and the most ape, because they're just going to do it, get it done, multitask, right. keep going. And I get that. So this is why I love, like, and I mean, there's 20 billion reasons why we all have why people have podcasts, right? Yeah. And yeah. the reason why, I mean, you know, I always get asked and it's like, we're in season recording season nine, redid the branding. I mean, we're a PR firm. So we treat every guest like they're a client. We, you know, we'll make sure they're positioned to come off. Well, conversations are super authentic, no filter, no pressure. We have the weekly videos. I mean, our graphic guy is the bomb and we have such amazing feedback. Like, damn, that's, that's the most polished podcast like on the marketing materials and stuff that's going out and i reason why i love the podcast is talk about like 
podcast mm-hmm. therapy is what you're talking about behavioral these podcasts literally force me to shut up because I will go into a podcast after the introduction, screw it up like I did with us because I was laughing. And (laughs) I'm forced to take whatever shit is going on, personal business, clients, all that stress and drama that's so hard. And I know it is a minute till we start and I'm still carrying it. Still like texting is still dealing with my head. Right. I literally forces me to shut it off and focus in the present on the podcast, because even though they're live, even though they're pre-recorded, we don't filter. I have caught myself a few times, like I am not present. I got to speed up and reshift my brain to pivot. And these doing podcasts, love, love them for so many things of obvious reasons. But firstly, if I'm really going to be honest, it forces me to shut down and focuses on an amazing conversation about leadership, intelligence, being present, being focused on somebody else to make them shine for the first time. That's no stress on me. That's one of my deep rooted personal reasons why I am so obsessed being in season nine right now with our podcast. I love that. I think that's great. I think if you have passion for it, because I've had a podcast since 2015, and then I started my second one, which you were on. And if I didn't have a passion for it, I think it would be super hard to get on here and talk about anything. Although I think it's fun just to talk about anything. In fact, I think we should have a podcast where we get on and we just talk about nothing. Oh, it's so funny because because we're so structured, like, you know, every single, you know, season, every single the look, the feel, the brand, the impact, you know, the polish. And then our topics are based on the guests. And I've had some guests where, oh my God, especially during the pandemic, we went around the sun and we were laughing, cursing. We, I had a really great podcast where I got schooled on Black Lives Matter because I'm not a Black man living in a white society. I'm like, dang, like I got schooled live. Like, you know, I understand you said that, Sarah, because I know you and because I've known you for so long and da, 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 da. But really from somebody else, I would have taken that the other way. Well, educate me. Tell me what the right thing to say is because we don't want to be walking on eggshells. Like we've had a podcast where such personal stuff comes out and things come out. And I had a podcast. You're going to appreciate this. The guest wanted to reschedule. Second time. He's like, I want to reschedule. I just, a lot of shit's going on at the company, on retail, blah, 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 bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I just, my head's not there. I don't want to mess up. You know, and I'm just, you know, I know you do it up. I'm like, you know what? Colin, I go, I don't know you. You're not a client. You rescheduled twice. There won't be a third time. Respect my time. Suck it up. You had a bad day. You had, a, you know, stuff melting down. You're a co-founder, CEO of a company. It's not an easy road to go down. Suck it up. Get on the goddamn podcast. We'll figure it out. I literally put that in writing and I'm laughing like, oh God, that was like, but whatever. I didn't really care. He comes on the podcast, Marshall Conley at Slow Jeans. And he's like, I'm only on this podcast because you told me to suck it up, swallow my shit, act like a goddamn leader and to be on. And I'm like, okay, then let's do this. What's the problem? Why didn't you want to be in my podcast? Where are you stressing? We broke down his day, his stress of why he was all six and sevens. So not like a whole um, merchandise or production issue that just melted down their company. And we literally, well, how'd you handle this? We literally used this podcast for that. And it was such a good podcast. And I'm so glad he came on and I was just so in his face. You know what? You're not my client. Suck it up. Swallow your bullshit. 
get on and talk about it. You want to be a leader, show up. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, it worked for the podcast, but like, I feel like it is, I mean, it it is hard. We are only human. We have to do what we need to do. And I feel like whatever your outlet is, find your outlet, just do what you need to do to stay grounded. And I understand things are overwhelming at times where we just got to, but you got to get out of your head. Yeah. Again, it's always about you get in your head. It is overwhelming. And you get out of your head and you realize, okay, what is actually the pressure? What actually is something I need to take care of right now? Because I think a lot of times we think we have to take care of something we don't in the moment and we'll just compile everything. Yeah. Oh, shit, this is going wrong. That's going wrong. I got to take care of this. I got to take care of that. And then all you do is you sit in overwhelm and yeah, you may take action, but you could take better action. That's not a, let's say fear-based action. It's something where you're doing it from a place of, okay, I'm not going to let fear guide me because I'm afraid this is going to happen or I'm afraid that's going to happen. Instead, what do I actually want? And you know what? That's the hardest question for most people to answer, even leaders. It's what do I want and what's actually important to me? Most people cannot answer that in a succinct manner because number one, it changes. Number two, they're not really sold on it. Maybe somebody told them this is what you should want. And so they're like, no, this is what I should want, but they don't really know what they want. And we have all sorts of stuff in our society that speaks to that. And I get tired of it because it really never drills down to how does somebody actually figure out what they want? Because when you know what you want, you're an unstoppable force. You are going to get to wherever it is you want to go. It's not being attached to the result. It's actually being a part of your own experience. You know, your experience of being a leader, your experience of whatever it is you want to do. It's living in that and being it and breathing it. That makes you unstoppable. Well, so it's so funny because like I feel like we're all we're all guilty. And I treat some of my clients and like and some of my friends if there's a situation. Okay, if you're in front of a judge and jury, they don't need all the bullshit, bullshit details. Nobody cares about the details. Find the two or three things in this fight that you could stand behind that will give you the results you want, that you have the power you need to fight it, articulate and see it through. All the other little shit shouldn't yeah. be brought up. Focus on the uh, the integrity and, you know, everything you stand by. And there's like a plethora of so much shit. And we're trying to talk through all these details. Give me the three things that are the most important, what you want out of it, where your substance is, where your facts are behind it. The rest of it makes no difference. Because if you pull all this bullshit stuff into it, you lose credibility, power, control, and a result because there's just such distracting things that don't really mean anything. And like, I mean, we're all, I mean, I'm very detailed. So I'm very chatty and like, it cracks me up because I never just do a one word like response in a text. I'm like, oh, well, this is, you know, have time. But like, I do feel like we do need to hone in when it comes to certain things in leadership of what we want to get out of this. And I do think it's hard for CEOs because you can't talk to your executive team. You can't talk to your clients. Mm-hmm. There's only certain people you could vent and get advice from. And you know, my big thing that we always talk about, listen, and I had to say this three, okay, today's Tuesday. And I've said this three times and it's only Tuesday. Listen with the intent to understand, not to respond. And it's so critical. And like, so I, ha- I have my five rules of leadership. Okay, let's, mm-hmm. go, let's go through my, do you want to hear my five rules of leadership? Sure. I think it's seven. Okay. One, listen with the intent to understand not to respond, right? Always leave somebody better when you leave them than when you when you leave them when you first met them. Own mm-hmm. your leadership, own your shit. It doesn't win, lose, or fall. Fail publicly 
anybody can make easy decisions. We make them all day long. Right. Making right. hard decisions with the class and grace and respect, no matter if you fail or not, is good leadership. Always make sure the other person understands. We make bad decisions. We want to be in. We don't want to be assholes, but we have to make decisions that affect somebody else. If I make a decision, whether it's a bad deal, you get fired, whatever it is, I owe it to you because I care more about our relationship than my ego. And I need to explain to you, collateral damage sucks. And if you're collateral damage from my decision, I need to make sure you know you're valued. You know. You know, I value you. I appreciate you. And my decision, as shitty as it was, was not personal. You are valued. You are appreciated. Right. You are wanted. But unfortunately, I had to make a decision that so you should never walk away feeling like collateral damage. And, and, and I mean, so there's all of these things of how we handle that. I feel I have no idea how many points I'm at that make up a good leader. And to me, if you're a good leader, never lead with your ego and always Admit to your mistakes. If I'm going to be, I'm all perfect. I'm all this bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I'm not. I make mistakes. I know what I'm guilty of. I know where my flaws are. I mean, I just gave you like 15 of my flaws here, and we've only been on the podcast for like 40 minutes. I don't care. I'm owning my leadership, but I know how to pivot, how to lead with what I have. But if I'm going to sit there and not be honest with you, like, yeah, I'm sometimes I'm too detailed. Sometimes, you know. I'm in my own head. Okay, well, we all are. But if I hear you say it, you're humble, you're authentic. I want to help you if I know that you're, hey, this is where I always struggle with. I'm going to help you. I want to help people who are going to come to me and say, hey, give me, I have a question. I need some advice. How should I handle this? I'm going to want to help you. The bullshit a lie to me. And I, I, I'm going to call you out. You're not going to get my help and support, but you're going to get my help and support if I know. I can help you and you're open to me helping you. I mean, right. I just think all of these things are not easy to task individually, more or less all together. But to me, like encompassing all of this and yeah. moving forward is what makes a good leader. And there's a lot of messiness, but that's mm -hmm. part of leading. The grass isn't greener. It's just a different shade. Right. Well, I have a list of eight items that I... Let's go. All right. So learn the difference between ego and arrogance. You can't have zero ego because you'd be dead. Okay. Number two. And I'm serious because people confuse arrogance and ego all the freaking time. Is, is it confidence or arrogance? It's no, no. Because what the problem is, is that when people say you have to have zero ego, that which if people actually understood how you have to work to get rid of an ego, they would shut the hell up. So Arrogance is what you're really saying. Don't be arrogant, but be confident. But confidence is different. Confidence, yeah. true confidence is because you breathe. So most of us tie our confidence up in our accomplishments. And that's not true confidence because that's basically flammable. Somebody could light a match to it and that's yeah. gone. So, you know, number two would be around giving credit when credit is due because people need to know that they're doing a good job. They need to know where they stand. If you're somebody who's quiet and doesn't share that, you're probably not going to have a lot of loyal people. Or if you're erratic with it, you're not consistent. People aren't going to know what the hell is happening. The other thing is with number three, failure. You're not failing unless you're not breathing. Then you're done. Because everything that we do in life, most of the time, we can think we're making choices that are great. But I'm going to just throw like, Look at Blockbuster. Did Blockbuster know a you know, multi-million dollar company that they were blowing it? No, they didn't. So it's not just 
you know, if you have a small hundred thousand dollar solopreneur business or you work for a multi-million billion dollar business, the problem is you associate failure in the wrong way. It's a learning experience. You learn, you move on, you get back on the fucking horse. If you don't get back on the horse, then and you lay there in the dirt and never get up, okay, we can call that failure. But get back up because as long as you're breathing, you have that opportunity. So that's why I always say this with the podcast with Brent. Obviously, we're all about leadership, but my big thing with the axis effect, leadership to your point number four, there is no failure. There's only success and failures. Learn from your mistakes, move on, build, be better, be stronger, understand what happened. I always say there's no such thing as failures in business. There's a success and failures. Find the success and the failures. Blockbuster, brilliant. They just needed maybe to understand, hey, we're moving to a digital era. Let's have digital yeah. downloads. If, whether they could make it because of market, the bear, the cost of entry, whatever that is, technology, it wasn't a failure. But to me, there's always successes and failures. You got to know and be smart enough, intuitive to understand it. To find you got to take the risks. Advantage. And a lot yeah. of people, they don't take the risks. And that's where you fall off the horse. But that's a lesson. Get yeah. back on the horse and go to the next point, whatever that next point is. And there's no horse walk, but get to where you need to go. Right. Because you need to keep moving forward. Even if you stop for a little bit, you regroup, you still need to move forward. The other thing is you want to have empathy, not just for the people that work with you, empathy for yourself. Because a lot of us are harsh taskmasters with ourselves. And that doesn't really help your mood. It doesn't help your anxiety. It doesn't help any of the feelings that you have that you deal with on a daily basis. You've got to be empathetic to yourself. And that will actually mirror out to everybody around you. You're going to share that with others. You know, if you're angry all the time, guess what? People are picking up on you're angry all the time. So when you're more empathetic to yourself, more forgiving of yourself, more, okay, I got flaws. I'm not perfect. That's okay. So that's, you know, to me, that was, what is that? That's number four. Yeah. Number four five. No, or five. I don't know. Anyway, uh, you have three more. Okay. So let it, well, I have four more. I have letting other people talk, which is listening. You want to have the listening skill, which means to really listen, be curious. You know, that's kind of a combo. Listen, be curious, right? The other thing is to actually give a crap about the people that work with you, which is different than empathy. You have to have self-empathy, but you also have to give a crap. They are people. And if you want loyalty, you don't want to have high turnover. You have to think about those things. You also, this is seven, is when you do something that you feel, okay, that was a mistake, or I could have said that better, take responsibility for it. Don't blame. Well, you were a jerk. You were doing this. You were doing that. No, no, that's not how it works. It's what part did I do? Like I had a partner in my business last year for the last few years, and we're no longer partners. And people go, oh, what happened? You know, and I kind of tell myself, but you know, everything comes back to me. It was my choice to bring a partner on. And there were, you know, extenuating circumstances that didn't work out. That's okay. What can I learn from that rather than what can I blame on, you know, the other person for? And then lastly, stop looking for problems all the time. The problem with looking for problems is you are creating problems and a lot of things are not going to become a problem if you don't see them as a problem. And of course, when you do, you have to come from a solution oriented place. But a lot of times people are like, well, I'm trying to preempt all the problems. Well, a lot of times you don't realize you're creating half of those problems by your reaction to the idea 
that you might have a problem. I call it self-creating drama where people create their own drama. Then they play their own victim as a reason to blame somebody else for their failures. Oh my God, I have no patience and tolerance for that shit. But like, let's talk about reactionary versus like, you know, there's being proactive and there's reactionary. I feel like I think number five or six, how you talk to somebody, how you treat somebody is going to preempt how they treat you back. If I'm going to be rude to you, or I'm not going to talk to you. I'm just going to be whatever aggressive. Well, I'm going to expect you to, to mirror your reaction is a reaction to my action, not the other way around. So your point, right. I can't say, well, you this, you're a jerk, you're a jerk. And it's hard because you want to kind of give them back what they give you. And, and, and I do think it's hard for you all kind of, if somebody's escalated and aggressive, we're going to get just equally aggressive, equal the playing field. And then it just, it's, it's, it's a velocity that isn't, nobody's it going to get solves nothing. It's yeah. And, and I, and I do think it's hard. I, I do think that's hard for people. It's human nature. If I feel like I'm being attacked, my defense goes up and, and it, you know, you can't attack somebody and not expect them to just be calm and walk away. We should, but you know, most people are like, oh, hold on, wait a second. So I do feel like being reactionary and your actions to their reactions or vice versa is a big part of how we get stuck in these bad conversations, this velocity to where it just didn't end well. You know, the conversation got derailed. Then you walk away and not everybody's happy. It's not a win-win. And resolutions, conflict resolutions is to drop the egos, drop the defense. Hey, what are you doing? My fault. I need to own my side of the street mm-hmm. because I may have right. to do it. And if I can't do that, I don't deserve your time and attention in that conversation. A lot of it goes back to childhood conditioning and people get things triggered, you know? So if let's say you grew up and you weren't understood or you grew up and you uh, were bullied or you grew up and nobody ever listened to you, then you will find yourself getting triggered, whether it's professionally or personally by other people when they trigger that inside of you. And that's the shit you got to work on. I also feel like, and I just had this conversation recently, somebody's talking about, oh, well, they were just being this or that. I go, but you know what? You don't know. You know they were kind of dismissive on the phone. They were kind of like this. I go, no, you don't know what that person's, you don't know that person. It could just be right. meeting or you don't know, even if it's a good friend, you don't know what their day was. You don't know if they woke up to a shit storm. You don't know where they broke up with somebody they're feeling secure about, you know, somebody they like. You don't know personally and business what that person's going to do, what they just right. do, what they're dealing with, how well they're masking it, how well they're handling it. So if you think they're being rude or they're just snapping at you, but you don't really know them, like, wait, I didn't really do this or stuff. We analyze, I didn't say this, or did I say this? Or did I say that wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, like 70% of everything that stresses us out isn't worth stressing over. But if I don't know you, what you're going through personally and what's going on in your head before I come up to you, talk to you or see you, your reaction may have nothing to do with me. So I don't know if you had a bad day. I don't know if you broke up with somebody. I don't know if you got in a fight with somebody, you lost a client, you just got a bad medical diagnosis. We do the best we can as CEOs. It's like the white health truth versus the ground truth. We we need to mask in public. That's what we do as leaders, but we don't know how bad things are behind the facade. We can smile, look good, talk like we got it all under control. We're ballers. We just are the bomb. We could be crumbling on the inside with so much that you don't know about. So this is where it's kind of hard to say, 
do not judge. If I say, well, you know, Trace was kind of dismissive, or just kind of like, eh, on the phone. Well, that means I need to go back the next day. Hey, just want to follow up. I really want to work with you. I want this. How are you? I need to like figure out where that contention was because it may have nothing to do with us. You just might've had a really bad day, bad something, anything. And I just don't know. And that's why I feel like the empathy coming both yeah. ways. And, and, and it's, it's weird because my, one of my good friends made a comment about a situation and they're like, but you're spinning out or you need to understand where they're coming from, whatever, whatever. Then mm-hmm. I'm thinking, wait a second, we're not the same. We can't compare ourselves. I mean, I went, Marjorie made a comment. You were like, literally went through, and I was with brain surgery, so messed up after the surgery, and you still managed to text somebody. Well, but I'm a different creature. I think I was probably, I think the surgeon would probably, oh my God, knock her the shit out. She keeps talking and we're trying to put her under for surgery because I'm such a fatty <laughs> person. And that was one of one of the five surgeries. I was talking so much that I had a, I had a female, uh-huh. female surgeon, female anesthesiologist, female staff. And I'm like, oh my God, da, 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 da. and I was chatting so much. They're like this over me. And this is the fifth and last surgery of this brain tumor. Sarah, what the hell? Count back from 10. I got to six. No, no, wait, I'm not done yet. I can't finish. I got to tell you the story. I mean, it's just like, we're such different creatures, but I feel like just because I want to chat with a surgical team and I barely got to seven, they're like, just knock her out. Doesn't mean somebody else who wasn't saying anything had a bad day. That had nothing to right. do with me. I just feel like, we all handle our shit differently, personal or totally. business. I handled my journey, my experience differently than most people. I kept fighting. I lived gracefully through it publicly and handled it, right? But that doesn't mean somebody else is going through the same situation. People are like, oh my God, we had no idea you went through all that. Not people didn't know. I held my own. I handled right. it place because I didn't want people to know that I was crumbling and what I was fighting through. But that doesn't mean I should be excused to be an asshole, but doesn't mean because I'm like distracted, you should judge that I'm being this or I'm being that. You don't know what I'm dealing with. And this is where I feel like everybody's so reactionary. And mm-hmm. so you have to not be reactionary. And I'm reactionary. Sometimes I just hit that. I just, the patience level is shot and I will just not be a good person. And I will have to own that. But But you have self-awareness about it, which is also a good thing. Yeah, but I think I think we're so reactionary and I feel like we do need to not be reactionary to your point. It's all about behavior. And and I get what you're saying, Tracy. It's how we were brought up. And maybe we don't think we had any issues growing up, but I feel like maybe it, it was ideal growing up. But as soon as you become an adult, you get your first job. You realize your career, you realize your focus, you're in an agency, you're in a situation where your first job right. gets your ass beaten down because that's just unfortunately the way it is. But I feel how you go through life as an adult, handling yourself in business defines your skill set as a leader. I didn't develop a skill set in ballet and dance. Right. Not little. I finger painting was I can't even draw between the lines. And I'm an adult now, so I have no patience for it. My definition of who I am as a leader that I'm very proud of and that I own publicly to a lot in the industry was my development under mentors in bad situations, building my career in the agency side. And that is where I had to understand and listen and learn, fall for it, fall back, crawl for it. I mean, it's all part of your journey of, of course as a leader, but failing and owning that 
is a success if you can still move forward and lead where you need to go. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. You know, I think we just have to be kinder to ourselves too, because I think that, like I said earlier, being your own taskmaster doesn't really bring you to the edge of success. I had a client at one point who would deal with world leaders and he would say, you know, I just am not excited by this anymore. Everybody else is celebrating when we have a win and I'm looking for the next mountain to climb. And that comes from insecurity. That doesn't come from feeling good about yourself because he's not even enjoying his wins. And I think that as a leader, you have to be able to enjoy your wins. And if you're not, you're probably doing whatever it is you're doing as a leader for the wrong reasons. You're doing it from drive. You're doing it from proving yourself rather than no. I have a passion and I have an intrinsic motivation to do what I'm doing, which to me means I get to that pinnacle. I'm celebrating. I get to, you know, every day I can find something to celebrate. And that is how you want to lead because of course that the people that you're leading are, are going to embrace that. They're going to be like, wow, okay. I feel totally excited to be here because I've got somebody who's really excited to be leading me. And you don't always get that from leaders. I mean, I've had lots of dysfunctional situations myself, whether, you know, I was working in corporate or even, you know, for years, how I was, I was a pain in the ass for years. I, you know, I hated when somebody would make a mistake and want to blame someone else. I'd be like, just don't give me excuses. Just tell me how you're going to fix it. Wait, And that was, that was, cause that's how I am right now with people. And you're saying that was how you were like years ago. I was, I was like that because I had no patience for it. It's just like, figure it out. And then you know, let me know. Or my other one was when I knew somebody on my team was a weak spot, I'd just be making it worse. I would make it worse because I would be trying to get them out. Okay. This is a Right. And now I don't do that. I actually look at, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's figure out here. Is this salvageable? Is this someone or, you know, a situation that can actually become better if I have more patience and I actually see this person as a person rather than a dollar sign on their head. Like I'm paying them and they're not doing what I need them to do. So get them the hell out of here. I don't do that anymore. And it's been really interesting because I have built team loyalty. I have built people who are excited to be doing the work for me. And therefore I have created exactly the environment that I had always wanted to work in. Yeah, I still think it's just a whole, I know we're going to wrap up here in a second. My yeah. whole thing is the false, you know, building people up false. I hate when people say, I appreciate you. I just think that's the most demeaning fucking thing. I appreciate you because you have nothing else nice to say to them. Say nothing at all. I don't need somebody to be, I appreciate you. What the, what, what the hell does that even mean? And like, I hate when people say, I appreciate you. And to me, it's just like, you know what? It's like, let's be a little more authentic and real. I don't need to say, mm-hmm. I appreciate because I really don't appreciate you. You're being an asshole just to make it nice, you know, or, you know, I just, but to me, it's just like, it's like, to me, it's just, it's not about the ego. It's not about these little false little things you want to say to people. So you look like the good person. And it's just like, and then, then I can't say, I appreciate you. I absolutely adore you. I love talking to you. Like I, you and I need to do our own little, like, yeah, seriously. A podcast yeah, yeah. bullshit, right? How uh-huh. to unfuck what you fucked up. But like, that's a great idea. <laughs> unfuck what you fucked up. Because you know what? I like humor and I'd like to actually have something where we're just talking about, you know, simple things in life that fuck up people and how to unfuck it. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's like, I, this is why I always love talking to you. I'm super excited that I get more time with you. We are going to launch 
our Women's Leadership Network, which is we're going to do, I think, quarterly association, peer knowledge exchange, networking. This is going to be awesome. And I am so excited that like I do have people like you in my life. I don't appreciate it. I absolutely love and respect it because I always feel better when we hang up. Than yeah, when we me too. So I absolutely am so excited that I get to be part of your world and you get to be part of my world. We're going to build something together because I just feel like that to me, that support, that's unconditional. That's yep. what you do to move forward and move the needle. So I was so good having you on the show, Tracy. Where can everybody find you? What's the website, the podcast? Give us all your details. So you can go to tracycrossley.com and it's Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y. A lot of people like to add an E, don't add an E. tracycrossley.com and all my social media is there. Both of my- But podcasts. there is an E in Crossley. Yeah, there is. And I think that's what confuses people. If you put the E, I'm just saying, you want to find me, T-R-A-C-Y-C-R-O-S-S-L-E-Y.com. And then my podcasts are there. You can find Freedom from Attachment or Earned Wisdom, depending on if you're looking on leadership or you're looking at yourself and you're going, okay, I've got some attachment issues. Then look at that. I have my book there. Everything. Just go there. I always send people. Just go there. So LinkedIn, Tracy's on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Very everywhere, visible. Facebook, whatever, you know, you can find me Instagram. I was going to bring up like some old, old social media place. I don't know. You know, like, yeah, I'm on, what was it? What was MySpace? it? MySpace. Well, no, yeah, MySpace. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of what was that. Yeah. I was like, that's so funny. Oh my God. I so, so loved having this. I, the best yes, conversation. This is great. I'm so glad we had our conversation live on air and I love it for the podcast for everybody this is sarah miller with tracy crossley and we'll see everybody next week thank you for joining us for this episode of the axis effect podcast if you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes be sure to subscribe to the axis effect podcast on your favorite podcast provider to learn more about the podcast or our guests please visit theaxiseffect.com This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.